You're listening to episode 101 of the Vine Podcast. As your food blog grows and you begin to scale, it is so important to set aside time to document your systems and processes. Whether you've never spent a lot of time thinking about your systems, or maybe you're not sure what an SOP even stands for, you're in the right place. I'm joined by my online business manager in this episode who is going to break this all down for us and help you make a plan for the standards and systems that your food blog needs to have. Hey friend, I'm Madison Wetherill, a web designer and branding strategist for food bloggers and your host for the Vine Podcast. This show is all about supporting you as a food blogger as you grow your business. I'll share tips for designing your business and your website with intention so that you can build a blog that fits into your life, not consumes it. You'll hear tips for connecting with your audience, growing your blog, and tips for managing and designing your website, all in short, easy to consume, and actionable episodes. If you're ready to think differently about the strategies and tactics that you need to grow your food blog, you are in the right place. I'm so excited that you're here, friend. Let's get started. Welcome back, friends. I am super excited for this episode, and I'm also super excited to introduce you to a member of my team who is a huge part of the day-to-day operations and has been a huge part in making sure that Grace and Vine has been able to sustain the growth that we have had over the last year and a half. The idea of recording an episode with my online business manager originally came up when we were on a leadership retreat together in Asheville, North Carolina earlier in the fall, and it was just an idea that we were casually mentioning, but as I started to think about it, I thought, who better to come on and tell you guys about systems and standards and processes than the person who builds those for our team. So let me introduce you to our online business manager over at Grace and Vine. Jillian Dalberry is a wife, a mom of two, and an online business manager for creatives who are looking to build sustainable systems in their business so they can show up for the moments that matter with their family. I'm so excited for you to hear this interview and to learn more about what these standards and systems should look like. And we give a few examples at the end of different things that you can be thinking about for your food in the future. Hey, Jillian, welcome to the Vine Podcast. I am so excited to have you here today. Would you please start by just introducing yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do in your own business, and then you can also share what you do on the Grace and Vine Studios team as well. Yeah, so um, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I get to see all the back end, like behind the scenes stuff for the podcast, but now I'm on it and it's kind of exciting. So my name is Jillian. I am an online business manager for creatives and at Grace and Vine, I manage day-to-day operations. I assist in hiring and managing the team, pretty much making sure they have everything they need to complete their tasks for the day and be successful in their role. And I also manage and build and advise in systems and processes in the business. Yes. And that is what we're going to talk about today. So I'm really excited for this topic because I think this is one of those things that most business owners completely neglect for the first few years of their business. And especially as a one person business, it is something that's really easy to think that you don't need them. But as your business grows and as you just do more, it's so important to have those systems and processes. So let's just start with Can you define for us what an SOP is, maybe how it is a little bit different than a process, kind of run us through that hierarchy of what those different terms mean? 
Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that that is an easy place to kind of get confused too. So SOP stands for Standard Operating Procedure, which is anything you do in your business that is repetitive. And it's like a step-by-step process of how it's done. So SOPs aim to achieve efficiency, quality output, uniformity of performance, and just reducing miscommunication and like failure to comply with an industry standard or regulation. Basically, it helps people know what to do, how to do it, and who needs to do it. So um, the reason why they're important is that you, if you're ready to hire someone to help you on your team and you're ready to outsource some of those things that are not in your zone of genius, then having an SOP to train a new team member or anyone who's going to help you in your business is going to save you a lot of time, a lot of stress, and a lot of money. The way that it works though, and I do have kind of like this Christmas tree analogy, okay? So bear with me. (laughs) And this is recorded around Christmas time, so that's why I'm like, thinking about the Christmas tree, but at the very bottom of the Christmas tree, you know, for fake trees, (laughs) it comes in pieces. At the very bottom is your foundation. That's going to be your process. That's going to be the step-by-step actions you take to complete a task. Above that, the second piece is going to be your system. The system is like a top to bottom view of what needs to happen, who is going to be responsible for updating the SOP, those kinds of things. So the system is more all-encompassing and is the overarching view of the process. And then at the very top of the Christmas tree, you would have what you would call your SOP. And it really is just everything in that package tied together with a bow called a standard operating procedure. Yeah. And I think understanding how those all work together is really important because it just feels very overwhelming when you hear all of these terms that you might not have heard, or honestly, they're terms that feel very corporate to me. And so- At first, it kind of is like, well, that's like too fancy, too corporate for like what I need. But it really is, there are literally hundreds of them in every single business, regardless of what size of business it is. I think people also confuse systems and processes. Like they interchange them or think that they're either the same thing or different things. But if they're different things, what do they mean? (laughs) You know, but I think that the best way to look at it is a process is the bottom and a system builds on top of that. And the SOP is all of those things together. So do you have an example, and it can be really from any type of business, but if it is for like a blogger specifically, that would be even better. But can you kind of give us that like hierarchy of the process to system to SOP for a food blogger or for another like creative business? Yes. So for the process, you're going to want to narrow in on all of the very specific tasks that need to be accomplished in to to get it done. So if you have, um, let's say the task is open up, WordPress, go to this part on your blog, click on this. Like that's a step-by-step process. Where the system comes into play is you're going to have a policy and a procedure included in that. So a policy would be um, in order for you to complete the process, X, Y, and Z need to be true or X, Y, and Z need to happen. That system is also going to include who needs to be responsible for that and who is going to be accomplishing the task and what department it's going to be for. Yeah. And then I think the SOP is really just like the documentation of all of those steps or like one part of that whole process in like a very step-by-step as if you were like explaining it to a toddler type of <laughs> process. <laughs> you want to yes. be like very, very detailed more so than you ever have thought about being that detailed. But it's because if somebody was to have to step into your role and do that for you, you want it to be so easy to follow that it has every single thing that they need in that documentation, right? 
Yeah, I agree. I think sometimes too, we can look at it and think, is this too much information? Do I really need all of this information? Is it all necessary? And sometimes it's not. And sometimes you have to use your discretion on if it's going to be too much organization and too much work to add in all these different things. A good example of that is somebody that I've seen a SOP for has SOP numbers. And you don't always need a number for your SOP. You could always categorize it by department or by team member, but it's just, it's kind of dependent upon how many SOPs you have, how you need it organized to serve your team. Yeah. So let's talk about the team aspect to this really fast, because I think this is, again, one of those areas where food bloggers might decide like, this is not needed for me because I'm just a one person team. So let's kind of debunk that. And let's talk about why it is important for even if you have a one person team, even if you have no plans to grow your team, why this is important. Yeah. So the very first obvious reason is that if you decide to hire help in your business, it's going to make your life so much easier if those systems are already written out for you to share with someone. Like I said before, it saves a lot of time, a lot of stress, and a lot of money in training someone. If they're not already laid out and you're training someone on the fly, there's something about that that just feels really chaotic and unorganized. And in full transparency, that's really common. Sometimes it does make sense if you are bringing on a new team member and you don't have those SOPs created. You can develop those SOPs as you're training your team. But like I said, it can feel very chaotic, a little haphazard, and can cause just a little bit more stress than you need. So, um, but that is an option for you if you feel like that is the only way forward. But another reason why SOPs are so important, even if you're a one-man team, is if something happens to you. (laughs) I am a little bit of an overthinker and I tend to think worst case scenario situations, but I've also been in a situation where my like tragedy has hit my family while I've owned a business. And it's just really hard to keep things going when you're processing grief. Therefore, I find it really valuable to have those SOPs in place for you to pass the responsibility to someone if something like this happens, or like, let's say you're unable to accomplish paying your team members or paying yourself or something like that, where it's time sensitive in your business and you're the only person that knows how to do that. I think about it a lot like an emergency folder, like you want to make sure that your kids know how to call 911 just in case. <laughs> and a lot of this is is a just in case scenario, but it makes you feel so much more peace in your business. If you have those things laid out, you know that it's ready to hand to somebody to accomplish if you're unable to do it. Yeah. And I just want to piggyback on a couple of things that you said. So with regards to the team, I think one thing that's really important to mention is that not having these standards should not be something that deters you from hiring. But if you know that you're going to hire somebody in the future, you know that you like you want to build your team and you want to have support, building those processes out can be a really good way for you to get started in that. And it also can really help you to see where you might need support. Because I was just thinking as you were talking about like departments and things like that. And again, I think most food bloggers would be like, well, I don't have departments. It's just me. But there are a lot of hats that every food blogger wears. And so if you start breaking down those processes and SOPs based on what role you are playing in that moment, whether it's photographer or recipe developer or writer or SEO expert, like whichever bucket you're in, that will help you to start to see if I was going to hire, like here are some areas I could hire in and you at least have some things started. But then I think what you said about not even a a worst case scenario, like it could just be that you get sick or it could be that you need to take time off for a vacation or something. You have that system already started for somebody to be able to come in and help you with some of the day-to-day operations of the business. And it's something that you build on over time. I mean, in 
our Grace and Vine Studios world, we've been building SOPs for <laughs> literally a year and we are not even close to scratching the surface of everything that needs to be documented. And and that's just the nature of how this stuff works. It's it is ongoing. But I think just getting started with something is really helpful to be building that library so that if anything ever happens or if you just want to have support, you're already starting to build that out for yourself. So yeah, I love everything that you just said in that. Yeah, I, I actually want to highlight what you said too. It may not be by department. It may be like the hats that you're wearing in your business. And we all know that as a one-man show, we wear all the hats. Like we are the invoicer. We are the accounts payable. We're the accounts receivable. We are blogger. We are whatever it is. And that can feel really overwhelming. And so at some point, we all get to the point where we're like, can I get help? Like if I were to hire somebody, how would I even know? I mean, it would take me so much time to even train them what to do. And so I think just starting that process little by little, every little bit helps. And like you said, it's an ongoing thing. You're building up a library and that wasn't built in a day. Like you just have to keep building and adding to it as you go. And that's good enough. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about that library now that we've kind of had that analogy here. So where should this set of SOPs live? How, what is the best way or what are a few ways that you could organize this or at least just kind of have a process for your processes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's a couple of different answers to that question. I think a good place to be, a good place to keep them could be in your project management tool. If you're not using a project management tool, I highly recommend it. Even if you feel like you don't have enough tasks or maybe you have too many tasks or you think you're overwhelmed and thinking about how to use one, you know, the GV team uses Asana and it's really approachable and great. And what we do is we keep our SOPs in Asana and we treat it like a task. So we build them out as a task with the same information, like consistent information to keep them uniform. And then we kind of have our own little database in different categories and subcategories of where to find what. Another um, opportunity for you would be to just put them in a Google Doc, like a good old fashioned Word document. That is totally fine. As long as it has the necessary information, it doesn't have to be super fancy. So that's a really approachable way to get started. And at some point you may get to a point to where you're a little overwhelmed with how many SOPs you have. And that's kind of where GV is right now. We have so many, we keep adding them and it's wonderful, but it's, you know, we get so many, we're like, okay, we need a different way to categorize these. And so it can kind of be hard to track them down sometimes. And, um, or if a team member needs to access a process for something, we want that to be really accessible. So another form of this organization could be like a spreadsheet format database. Um, and I like, using something like Airtable for this because you can categorize and filter by department or person responsible. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you're listening and you're, you know, Airtable sounds like it would be awesome for you. Like that's what you can start with. If a Google doc sounds like straightforward and simple, like start there because what we have definitely learned over the last year and some change of working together is that you might build it one way and it may change in yeah. a week or six months or a year. And so it's okay if it changes over time, but I think the important thing in this whole process is just getting started because if you if you don't it will like the number of SOPs you need to build will just continue growing every day as your business evolves so it's better to just start and you know get that library going. So speaking of getting started, how would a food blogger get started with creating possibly their first SOP? Where would you recommend beginning? 
So to piggyback off of what you said, I, out of that list of things that I, you know, your project management tool or a Google doc or whatever, I want you to choose the one that makes you the least anxious. <laughs> what will you be okay going back to and adding to? What is most accessible to you? That's where you need to start. As far as what to put in it, I would definitely start by department. And again, what hat are you wearing in your business? What part of your business does this serve? Then I would go through and list out the objectives. Like, what's the main goal here? What are you trying to accomplish with this SOP or this process? A second is what resources do you need? Like, what tabs do you need to have open? What programs will you use to accomplish the task? Those kinds of things. The next, document owner. If you don't have a team of more than one person, then you may not need this. But it is basically to say who's responsible for updating this and who is building it. It just kind of gives you a basis of, okay, if this process needs to be updated, this is is the person I need to go to to do that. And then we've got team members. Who is going to be accomplishing this task? Again, you may not need that if it's always you, but you also may want to include that just in case you decide to bring on an admin assistant or something like that. And then you've got policy. What are the rules and guidelines around this SOP? Again, this is more of a higher level um, thing that you would add in there. You may not need a policy necessarily, but it is there to create those rules and guidelines and basically say what needs to be true for this to happen. And then lastly, you have your step-by-step -step process. So basically, this is what you do. This is how you do it. And step-by-step, -step, very descriptive so that anybody could walk in and know exactly what they need to do. Yeah, I think that is awesome. And, and having that template wherever you're building it, you know, these SOPs is really helpful because you can just use that and then fill it in every time. So I think we were going to do um, a little bit of a run through of an example of a process that a food blogger might need. And I don't think there's a better place to start than just creating a blog post. So this is actually something that I kind of walk through in the Simplify with Gutenberg course, helping people to understand sort of their blog post outline and what goes into every post. Because another thing that we didn't really touch on earlier when we were talking about why SOPs are important is that when you have these documented and you have some sort of a process documented, it frees up your mental bandwidth to be able to do other things. You're not reinventing the wheel every time. You're not sitting down and wondering like, where do I even begin? And so I think that ties in really nicely to this idea of a blog post outline. And I think a having a process for this and an SOP for this is really important for bloggers so that you're not wasting extra brain power on figuring out what you want to do every time. And you're also able to see where somebody might be able to come in and help support you in that process. So let's run through, let's role play a little bit here with me being the food blogger and you are helping me to create this process for writing a blog post. Where do we start? Okay, so let's just say you're going to start with a Google Doc. Let's open up a Google Doc together mentally <laughs> and let's um, just start with the framework. So what uh, you said blog post structure, let's start with that. So what part of your business does this serve? So Madison, what kind of hat are you wearing when you create a blog post? That's a tricky question, actually, because it could be multiple. But <laughs> let's let's pretend that I have all of my my assets, I have all of my photos, and all of my things ready. So I'm really just a writer okay. compiling the blog post. So I'm I'm in the writing department. Okay, all right. So would you not consider that to be just a blogger, or does is that like too? 
I feel like the blogger is like the all-encompassing word for okay. the 17 hats that you wear. True. So I'm just imagining like if I'm sitting down to write a blog post, I need to be in like writing mode to like compile everything together. Understood. Okay. So if you are, if it is for the writing department, maybe content creation or something of that nature. Okay. So what is the objective? What's the main goal you're accomplishing with writing this blog post? Sharing a new recipe. Okay. What resources do you need open to accomplish this? I need to have my edited photos ready to upload to WordPress. Okay. I need to have any keyword research or information that I've done about like my blog post title or any information that I need to include in the post. And then I need to have my recipe that I have written down somewhere. Okay. Now (laughs) let's get into your hypothetical situation here. Are you the only person on your team or who is going to own this document? Let's say that I'm the only person on the team right now. Okay. So then you would be the document owner. And again, that may not be necessary, but we'll just do it for this purpose. Um, And then team members, who's accomplishing this task? And it sounds like the CEO slash writer is accomplishing this task. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So then what is a policy that you could think of that may be um, the rules and guidelines around how you would get to the point of needing to use this step-by-step process? Would this be something like... um... I need to have my recipe written, my photos edited, and my keyword research completed? Yes. So what has to be true for you to accomplish this? That's a good way to ask the question. Yeah. So I think in order to be able like, to be ready to complete this task, I need to have my recipe written and tested, my photos taken and edited, and my keyword research completed. Okay, great. Then you've got your step-by-step process. I won't make you (laughs) do that on the fly, but to think about what your step-by-step process is, you would maybe log in, you would fill in the content, like the pictures and stuff, and then you would go in, you would write your blog post, and then you might, I don't know, Madison, would you go in and um, I guess you might reread it just to make sure there aren't any grammatical errors, those kinds of things. You want to outline what the process is from start to finish, from actually opening up WordPress to hitting, you know, submit or go live or preview or whatever it is, you want to um, just make an all-encompassing start to finish step-by-step. Yeah. And I think an, an important part about this is, you know, you have to get clear, I think, on like how what part of the process you're documenting here? Because really like writing a blog post is so many different things. Like I mentioned before, I have to have the pictures edited. I have to have my research done and my recipe written. Technically, all of those things that I mentioned are part of writing a blog post, right? But when I'm thinking about this particular SOP, I'm thinking about when I actually sit down to get the blog post scheduled or published, what are my steps that I'm going to take? And so apart from the actual like writing of the blog post, you might also have like double checking that you filled out everything for Yoast SEO and that you have like double checked, you have uploaded a featured image and you've selected a category, you've set the publish date. Maybe, you know, there's a lot of things that you might do. A thing I'm thinking of right now. So on the Grace and Vine team, our executive assistant, Claudia, she produces all of the podcast episodes into our blog posts. And one of the things that is on her list is to make sure she changes the author to me. because she's the one who's compiling it. But at the end of the day, like the author is supposed to be me. So as you have a team, specific details like that are going to be important to document because it by default might not be the, the setting that you want it to be on. And so thinking through those types of things, I think is really important too. And these are things that I think most food bloggers do, you know, it's second nature. You don't even think about 
checking the category. But if you ever had somebody on your team who came and helped, they wouldn't necessarily know to do that. And so just like every single step. And one tip that I would give for this, and we can talk about like this a little bit more if you want to, but is... I have noticed whenever I am documenting an SOP, I usually find a bunch of things I didn't know that I actually did. But as I'm like verbally saying it out loud or showing it on a Loom video, like this is how we do this, I find like six or seven things that I forgot that I do. So it's really helpful to like walk through this. And then after you've documented it, actually follow your steps to see if you've missed anything in your documentation. That's a great point. And actually, I want to go back to what you said about the Loom video, because that's something that um, I've actually had a conversation with about with one of my clients recently is it's great to have Loom videos. They're a great resource for training people on the fly because you can record it as you're doing it. And it's like you do it for them. They watch how you do it. And then you do it. What's that called? Like you see me do it. You do it. I don't know. I can't remember what you watch me do it. Then you do it. Something like that. It's a great training resource. However, there are things that will change and you can't just go back and edit a video and modify it in that way. It's just a lot more work. So Loom videos are great and they're a great resource, but I would recommend always documenting it and typing it out step by step because it's much simpler to change a process in in one step or another if you can just like, you know, go in and edit it without you know, having to re-record a video, that takes way more time. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's a, like you said, it's a great tool to get started. And it's something that can be really great in those like first few weeks of having a new hire when you're just trying to get somebody like onboarded and, and train them on the basics. But over time, it does become one of those things that it's like, I don't have time to sit down and watch a 20 minute video. I just need to know this one part of the video. So I think there's a lot of workarounds around that. But definitely just making sure that you're thinking forward about these things. Because like we've said a couple of times, like SOPs are constantly going to change and like evolve and adjust. So it's really important to think long term with these, not in a way that paralyzes you from getting started, but just in a way that is like, this is not a one and done. I'm never going to touch this again. Like it's something you should be coming back to frequently to double check and make sure that it's, you know, still working for your business. Yeah, absolutely. I think approachability um, and accessibility is really important. SOP is, is, like you said, a corporate term. And so I don't want that to keep anyone from truly just sitting down and documenting a step-by-step. Even if you don't have anything else included, even if it's just a step-by-step, that is a great way to get started. Yeah, definitely. So do you have any other um, ideas for us and for other food bloggers who are curious about creating SOPs for themselves? Like where would some other very easy places to start um, with documenting SOPs be? Yeah, I would say um, just starting with some of the simpler tasks that you do every day, like day in and day out, those daily things that you probably could do with one eye closed (laughs) and half asleep and that you might do with one eye closed and half asleep. But um, just starting somewhere with those repetitive daily tasks, because you're going to know those things like like the back of your hand. And those administrative tasks are also the things that you're probably going to hire out first. Because as a CEO of your company, even if you are a one-man show, you're still the CEO and you need to be able to focus your time on those higher level tasks. So if you document those administrative things first, I think that's going to serve you really, really well. Yeah. And I think even just starting with the things that you don't love doing, it's like 
it feels like it's harder to start with those, but those, like you said, are the things that you're probably going to hire out first anyway. So starting with those things that feel monotonous or feel tedious and like you don't enjoy doing them, you may even find that there's a simpler way to do them as you're documenting. And I honestly just think having even a few SOPs for each of those sort of departments or those hats that you're wearing will really help give you clarity on what your next step is for hiring or just getting some support in the business. Yeah, I agree. Especially like just making a list. Like, let's just start there. Let's just make a list of all the things you do in your business. And then let's categorize what hat those things fall under. Is it under marketing? Is it under writing? Is it under blogging? Is it under website management? Or is it under content creation or administrative? Whatever it is, let's just go ahead and make that list first. And then let's decide what is your zone of genius. Where do you want to spend the most time in your business? And then from there, you can decide what you can outsource and where you can start with the SOPs. Yeah, absolutely. So I do have a couple of SOPs that we kind of came up with. So I'm just going to like spitfire those and just to give people ideas of where they could start. It's probably going to be a lot and don't feel like you have to do these today, but figure out which of these feels the most approachable to you and then get started with one of these. And then I think Maybe we can touch on how to make this like a regular part of, you know, what you're doing in your business, especially during like that CEO time. So here's a few examples of different SOPs that you could get started with as a food blogger. So we already talked about like writing your blog post. You could create one for how you edit your images. So the actual step-by-step process of getting your images into Lightroom, editing them, exporting them out of Lightroom, all of that kind of stuff. How you name your images. So the specific way that you like to title that file name, how you fill out your Yoast settings within your blog post, how you do your keyword research, how you handle email marketing. So even something as simple as how often are you emailing your list? What are you emailing them? Is it a roundup of your weekly posts or is it an individual post um, just sharing your recipe? how often and how you do your plugin updates. How often do you change out your content on your homepage or your sidebar, all of those kinds of areas. There's so many more. There's a lot of things related to reaching out to brands or working with brands that you could add as SOPs. And that can, again, be another great place to have somebody support you in your business. So, I mean, I feel like I just scratched the surface of so many different ways that you could approach this. But I loved your idea, Jillian, about making a list because I think if you wrote down every department and every type of major task that you're doing, in your business, there's probably five to 10 SOPs that could be created underneath of that because of how many just tasks there are within each business. So let's go back to the idea of how do we make this a regular part of your business? Do you have any suggestions or tips on just making this happen regularly? Yeah. So, you know, I know that you talk a lot about having a CEO day and that is so important to your business growing because it's going to provide you the opportunity to sit down and focus on like on your business and building your business instead of in your business and doing like the nitty gritty day-to-day tasks. So on that CEO time, like that could look so different from person to person. Um, But during that time, you're going to be head down focused like working on your business. And I would suggest just taking one thing at a time. What is one process, one system, one SOP that you want to outline from start to finish and just go down the list and fill out those things, department, objective, resources, document owner, team members, policy, and then the step-by-step. That's all you have to do to just, and all you have to do too is just like download what you know. If you don't know 
what team members, if you don't know the document owner, leave it blank. Like that's totally fine. The main goal is to just get started and just download what you know, your knowledge, so that potentially someday someone could take it over for you. And also, I know we touched on this, like if you're a one-man show and you don't intend to bring on a team, these things are still very, very important, but it could look like a simplified version of it. So you may not need team members. You may not need document owner. You may not even need a policy per se, but just getting some form of documentation and step-by-step process is going to be so, so helpful for you. Yeah, I love that so much. All right, well, we are going to wrap up and keep this episode as short and sweet as we can make it with talking about systems, which clearly we both are nerding out over right now. (laughs) Even as creatives, we can still handle doing SOPs and taking that, you know, responsibility as the CEO. So I would love for you to share where people can connect with you and learn more about you. And I would also love for you to share your new podcast and how people can listen to that. Yeah. So um, you can find me on Instagram at Jillian Dalberry. My website is www.jilliandalberry.com. And then my new podcast is The Gracefield CEO. And we touch on all things juggling being a mom, being a business owner, giving yourself lots and lots of grace, and also just tactful tools in your business to get those systems moving. Yes, it is an awesome podcast and I can't wait for more to come out. Well, thank you for your time today and being on the show. It is much overdue. And just for anyone who is listening, who has ever emailed the Grace and Vine team or has been a client, you have probably interacted with Jillian at some point or have at least been, you know, the beneficiary of her creating these systems and processes (laughs) on the Grace and Vine team. So it's so fun to be able to talk to you about this. And I hope that For you food bloggers who are listening, you will go and take some action and just figure out a good system for yourself to create these SOPs in your business because in the long run, it is definitely going to benefit you. So thank you again, Jillian, for your time and food bloggers, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me, Madison. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I would love for you to screenshot it and share it with a friend. You can tag me on Instagram stories at Grace and Vine. For the show notes for this episode, head to thevinepodcast.com. Talk soon.